0: I want you to go um, back uh, to uh, Galatians chapter 6. And what I want to talk to you tonight are four hindrances uh, to your harvest. And uh, how many of you have sown, you want to see the harvest? Can I see more enthusiasm than that? If you have sown, you want to see a harvest. I don't care if you're a backyard, you know, gardener or if you're a commercial farmer or Whatever the application is, you sow something, you want to see a harvest in your life. Scripture says in Galatians uh, chapter 6, I'm going to read this again from J.B. Phillips, uh, verse 7 through 9, Don't be under any illusion. You cannot make a fool of God. A man's harvest in life will depend entirely on what he sows. If he sows for his own lower nature, his harvest will be the decay and death of his own nature. But if he sows for the Spirit... He will reap the harvest of everlasting life by that Spirit. Let us not grow tired of doing good, for unless we throw in our hand, the ultimate harvest is assured. Can you believe that tonight? The Amplified says, for whatever a man sows, that and that only is what he will reap. So we know from 2 Corinthians that we should be abounding in faith, utterance, knowledge, diligence, and love, but also abound in this grace called Giving Acts twenty verse twenty five tells us it's more blessed to do what? Yes. To give than to receive because it is a double blessing—the blessing of making a difference, but also the blessing of seeing the harvest come in on top of that. So we've learned that if we harvest, uh, if we sow, we'll harvest if we plant. Amen. Say it with me: If I plant, if I plant. What, I plant what I plant, after I plant, after. more than I plant, after. and how I plant. how I plant, I cannot be a bummed out giver. I can't be an unhappy giver. I have to be what? A cheerful giver. And we understood from last week that what we do is we plant in love and we plant in obedience and we plant in cheerfulness and generosity and expectation and we plant in unity. There's no stopping the body of Christ if the body of Christ gets us revelation. God has everything we need to do everything we're assigned to do. But the more unified we are, we know we're not talking about just in beliefs, we're talking about in functional unity, everybody working together, which means everybody tithing, everybody giving, everybody excelling in that grace of giving. You can see what a difference that will make. It's not on one or two people to do it. It's everybody just doing what the Word of God says. That's the tithe, and then doing what the Holy Spirit tells us to do on top of the tithe. Let me try that one more time. The tithe is told us by the Word of God. Amen? It's clear. Couldn't be more clear. And if you keep on wrestling with that, this is where you will stay. And in 15 years, this is where you will be. If Jesus tarries, in 50 years, this is where you will be. Or you make up your mind that I'm going to apply the things that I've learned and walk in that. Uh, The Word does not tell you specifically what to sow on top of the tithe. That's the job of whom? The Spirit of God. You follow Him in every area of your life, including the area of giving. So there's nothing that I can point to that tells you this is what you're supposed to do when it comes to your sowing, but you have to, in your mind, separate the tithe from the seed. The tithe is not your seed. When you tithe, you are not sowing, you are tithing. Your sowing went on top of that foundation by direction of the Spirit of God. And and listen, the Spirit of God will use compassion in your heart. He'll he'll alert you to needs and situations, um, you know that are going on. Uh, this ministry, as you know, gives and supports missionaries all over the world, and we support 212. In fact, we continue to be the biggest supporter of the college ministry on you know of anybody. Uh, that's way it's always been, this church has always been, whether it's been Chi Alpha Christ Ambassadors or 212, we are the biggest contributor to that. We have a relationship with that ministry that goes way back, but we also actually believe in having a full gospel, Pentecostal, charismatic witness on that campus, don't we church? Amen. We're by far not the only one, but that's a, that's important to us. And uh, you know recently the Lord has is, is spoken to me regarding what's going on with uh, the plight of the Jews around the world, particularly some of those that were little kids and they were in the concentration camps, and now they're ninety-five, one hundred years old, and they're starving to death. And uh, former Governor Huckabee is doing a great job working with the Christian Jews Foundation, and uh, this ministry recently sowed a seed towards that. And uh, what we, you know, I think what's going to happen is we're going to end up putting a, a receptacle here on the property in this building, and it's going to be strictly for support of the Jewish nation for ministries. That help them, but the, the sight of these little old Jewish ladies starving to death? Because there are no safety nets for the nations they live and there's no compassion for them. You know, it's like the persecution all over again. The Bible says he'll bless those. Who what? Who blesses them. So how many want to be a blessing to Israel? Uh, many of you struggle. How do I do that? I can't just go call Netanyahu and say, can I write a check? That's not how that's going to work. So there has to be some avenues to do that. So we're going to provide some avenues for you to just follow your heart. Now, that's how God would direct, say, a ministry by speaking you know, to a pastor, speaking to a leadership team. This needs to be done. But in terms of your own sowing, it works the same way. God will impress upon your heart. This needs to be done or that needs to be done. There's a project within the church. There's some kind of ministry and outreach. Uh, he's well able to talk to you. That's why you've got to make up your mind that you can hear the Holy Ghost. Right. Everybody who is born of God can hear. That's right. Not everybody listens. But everybody can hear. That's right. And when he's speaking on these matters, we need to be in a position to actually listen to him and act on what he's saying. So this kind of just uh, brings us into the place where uh, I want to talk to you tonight. The, the hindrances to your harvest, they are very real, but they're not terminal. There's nothing that you can't overcome in terms of this list. You just need to be mindful of this. But before I do, I just want to encourage you again, their are promises for the sower. Amen. There's tithers' rights yes. and there's promises for the sower. God has been so good to us. Yes. And the sower, the Bible says you'll reap generously. You'll have all grace abounding to you. Say it with me, the favor of God's on my life. Yes. Now watch this. I can I can all day long sound blessed and highly favored of the Lord, and I hope you do confess that. But with your confession, you better be a giver. If you want all grace, all favor to abound to you, make sure that you are a sower, a giver. So when you hear me talk about the phrase giver or, or sower, we're talking about that the concept of beyond the tithe. And you need to make sure that uh, you understand that. If you want all favor, all grace abounding to you, you want to be a sower. That means not just the power to succeed, but the open doors. It doesn't do you any good to have all the power to succeed, but never have a chance to prove it. Amen. There Jerry Seville tells the story of a little cafe uh, south of uh, Fort Worth, not too uh, far from where he's at. And in that cafe, uh, they go to eat and go to southern food, and and these ladies would take a microphone, and they would come to your table, and they would sing to a a track. And he said most of them had just awesome voices and very, very talented. He said not too far from that, though, there was another young lady who worked in a different place, and her name is Kelly Clarkson. You know what the difference is? He said the lady that sang at their table was just as talented as her. But through idols, she got that opportunity. And watch this. Favor will make sure that opportunities come into your life. Favor will make sure that open doors happen in your life. It doesn't make any difference if you can sing the house down if you don't have an opportunity. Then you're still sitting there passing out fried chicken and singing songs for the crowd. Instead of advancing whatever your dream might be. this is making sense to you tonight. So, uh, you know, I don't have any delusions about being a singer. <laughs> Many of you say the same thing. But you know what? You would like to see some favor in some areas of your life. You would like to see some open doors. And so what happens is the promise to a sower, not that I said it, but Paul says that by inspiration of the Holy Ghost, you'll have all grace abounding to you, favor for all areas of life. Watch this. Abounding, how I many know technically, scientifically, the universe is still expanding? God said, and what's happening? It continues to roll. This is the way it is with favor. Abounding means it's continuing to grow in your life. It's not got favor and then it stopped for five years, favor stopped for two years. It's continuing to roll in your life. Come on, say it. favor is continuing to roll and develop in my life. Another promise is you'll have all that you need. Now, Notice the word promise. He promises the Christian who is a sower will have all that they need. You don't have to be concerned that what you're giving away is going to somehow compromise your ability to meet the need. That's not possible. It's not possible to be a giver and then you not be able to meet the needs in your own family. It's a promise from God. You see what this really boils down to is, do I believe God or not? Is he a liar or is he telling the truth? Is he speaking truth? Can I count on him? How many you know you can count on him? And if you'll just do it and walk this out, you'll see him come through time and time and time again. Amen. Save the promises. Number four, you'll increase in your seed. Well, if you have more seed, you can do what? You can do more sowing. And if you do more sowing, what's the promise? You're going to get more seed. Well, if you get more seed, what can you do? You can do more sowing. If you do more sowing, what's the promise? You get more seed. You You know, it's great to be a believer in (laughs) them. I said it's great to be on this side of things. And not just a believer that's religious and legalistic, but a believer that can operate in Revelation. Well the Holy Spirit can crack open these scriptures and help us understand what God is actually trying to do in us and through us. Number 5, you'll enlarge your harvest of righteousness. He made you righteous. Now what God does is he enlarges the benefit or the impact or the harvest of that righteousness in your life. The Bible says the righteous are bold as a lion. Do you believe that? Yes, yes. do you believe that there's an increase in peace with it? Yes. yes, Isaiah says for those that are righteous they'll have peace like a what? Like a river. There's that phrase again, rolling on, constantly growing, developing peace. You'll have confidence. You'll have power to live right. Is that important? Yes. A harvest of your righteousness. Another harvest is godly influence on others, specifically to lead them to Christ, but also help to disciple them for the glory of God. Your harvest of righteousness because you're a giver. Number six, you'll be made rich in every way. Amen. Amen. So you can be what? Generous on every occasion. Now, this is a situation where you either believe the word of God or you don't. Let me try that again. You will be made what? Rich. Rich. Notice it didn't say you will go out and try to be rich. These blessings shall come up on you and overtake you. You pursue God, these things pursue you. When you change that around and start pursuing stuff, idolatry comes into your life. The love of money comes into your life. Materialism comes into your life. And if you don't have this down, write it down. All materialism is, is trying to meet a spiritual need with something physical, material, financial. Nothing can meet the spiritual need, but of course your relationship with God. But I am not going to turn around to that stalker that I've got. Say it, I have a stalker. Have a stalker. Say it again, I have a stalker. Shirley. The stalker's name is Shirley. <laughs> Can't do nothing about it. That's what the word says. Shirley, goodness, and loving kindness and mercy shall what? Follow me all the days of my wife. In other words, where I go, that's where it's going. I go to church. Guess what? It's following me. Go home. It's following me. Go downtown. It's following me. wherever I go. Amen. amen. That's why we can say, no matter wherever we go, we're blessing the city, we're blessing the country because there's Shirley. Amen. But if you turn around and start chasing Shirley, what you gonna do? She gonna run. No, you're going to get into all kinds of things that really sum up to be idolatry, and it's going to shut down everything because you're in a place of disobedience. Um, If you understand that, you're you're on a good footing. It's not money that's the root of all evil. It's the love of money, and write this down, that means a wrong relationship with money. You've seen this, I've seen this too. You've seen godly men on fire for God. And then some woman shakes her rear end past him, and she's not serving God. She's not on fire for God, and he will dumb down the fire to accommodate what? (laughs) Surely. You see this? Chasing something right out of the will of God. Why? Because they have a wrong relationship with something material. You know, if you're not careful, you can make your natural relationships idols as well in your life. Or God is pushed off the throne, and that's more important to you. Whenever someone compromises their spiritual life to go after an earthly relationship, it's idolatry. Thank you for your enthusiasm over this revelation. I don't care if it's a guy doing it or a girl doing it. Well, I'm lonely. If you'll seek God and go after him, guess what? He'll put that relationship together for you. See, however you start a relationship, and this is free, tonight. So this won't cost you anything at all. As long as you start the relationship pursuing God does that make sense? Then you'll have health on the back end of the relationship, but however you start that relationship, you'll have to continue doing that to propagate it. And the moment one of you starts soaring spiritually, the other one's going to be very uncomfortable. Amen. Can two walk together? unless they say what? Agree. In premarital counseling, I just simply draw a triangle on a piece of paper and I put God at the top, I put man on one corner, woman on the other corner, and if they come straight for each other, guess who's left out of that picture? God is. But if the bow scale up, the triangle towards the Lord, a funny thing happened on the way up to God. you see this? Simple, but it's true. If you're not careful, you can make even human beings idols in your life. So you can say it like this, it's it's not material things that are the root of what? Evil. It's the love of them. Does that make sense? What you have is far more precious. Your walk and your relationship with God. But the bottom line is surely still out there. And Deuteronomy 28, 1 and 2 is still out there. Amen? And Matthew 6, 33 is still out there. How many scriptures do we have to confess tonight to tell you and me that the scripture says that Jesus became poor, that you and I might become what? Rich. Rich. And what somebody will do is they'll they'll look at those scriptures and go, He he he's not talking about monetary things or, or talking about financial things or material things. You know, the entire context of 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 is all about money. It radically violates the rule of context for someone to tell you he's just talking about spiritual riches. Let me enlighten you tonight. If you have Jesus, you're already spiritually rich. Amen. That's right. You can't possibly be more saved than you are right now. Praise the Lord. Do you see this? You can't possibly be more righteous than you are right now. He made you righteous, and you're not going to advance in righteousness when you get to heaven. You're going to advance in sanctification and holiness, glorification. But you're not going to be more righteous than you are right now. So when you read a, a passage of scripture like 8 and 9, which is all about giving and tithing and receiving, to go in there and say something like that it shows the bias there. It also shows a lack of revelation there that puts a lot of people in bondage. When you overlook the context of Scripture and, and insert your little denominational legalistic interpretation of something, you're doing a disservice to yourself and everybody you might influence. When he says he'll so make you rich in every way, you should just believe it. Amen. Amen. Spiritually? Physically, emotionally, mentally, relationally, financially, every way. Look at somebody and say, every way. Rich in what? Every Every way. Because you and I know people can be spiritually rich and dirt poor. Spiritually rich and their relationships are a disaster. Spiritually rich and sick as a dog. You see this? But the sower, the giver, is promised that they would be rich in what? Every Every way. Now, you know, I'm just kind of pragmatic this way. Uh, A biblicist is just someone who believes what the Word says and acts on it. Say, I'm a biblicist too. This culture will never like you and me. Because we look at it and we believe it. That's what the Word says, so I'm going to go with that. And a practical Christian says, well, that's, that's wonderful. I now know that if I go after God, he's going to take care of all this stuff for me. That's right. Amen. Hallelujah. Say in, every way. in every, way. every way. Every way. Every way. You'll have the knowledge that you're helping others, number seven. Is that important? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. If you realize that you've been giving in this church, and now some of your tithe and some of your seed is now helping little widows, in former Soviet republics that are Jews that need our help. I don't know about you, but that, that just lightens my spirit. Amen. Have you any idea the benefit derived out there throughout the world by churches just like this one, just doing what God tells them to do. Amen. Glory to God. Number eight, you'll get people to praise God. Somewhere there's a little old lady who was eight years old in a concentration camp and she's alive. And Here in a couple of weeks, she'll be praising God because of resources given by saints around the world to make sure that she had the basic necessities of life. She's going to praise God because somebody gave. I don't ever think it's a bad thing for us to what? Inspire people to praise God because of his goodness in us and through us. It's a good thing. And number nine you'll reap the uh, harvest of prayer from others. How I many could use prayer? Amen. Raise your hand and say, I could use prayer. Sometimes you may feel like nobody's praying for you. Maybe they are, maybe they are not. How I many you know? You always know that Jesus is doing it. Amen. Say it with me. Jesus is always praying for me. Look at somebody and say, and you need it too, bless God. Yes, you do. You need him praying for you. Amen. Well, let's talk about these hindrances tonight. Let's get into this at least a little bit. Write this down. A hindrance is just something that provides resistance. Something that provides resistance or a delay or obstruction to something or someone. Let me say it again. A hindrance is just something that provides resistance or delay or obstruction to something or someone. And uh, I don't know about you, but I don't want my harvest delayed resisted or obstructed. Let's put it this way. I don't want to be the reason my harvest is delayed or obstructed or resisted. We know the devil's not jumping up and down. Right? We know there's faith. We know there's endurance. We know there's patience. We know that these things enter into the walk of faith and if we don't give by faith and stand by faith and harvest by faith we're not going to. But you and I should not be the source of our own delay. Amen. 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 So keep that in mind as we go through this. Number one is lack of seed. You simply must have seed. And my contention is that we always have more than we realize. But too often our seed is squandered on that which is not fruitful. And this becomes a passion to you, then you organize your life and your expenses based on not to zero out everything, but making sure that you have seed to sow. Now, again, until you have the, the not the, the tithe commitment, but the revelation of the tithe, this is just gibberish to you at this point. Because at that point, this is not going to work for you. There's nothing I can say that can change that other than the mercy and the grace of God. How many you know he is merciful to us? But there's an awful lot of us that are held back, you know, not because God's not merciful, because we're not lining up with his precepts and his principles. Um, God is a, a God of spiritual justice, which means he'll see that there's recompense for those that violate his word, but he'll make sure there's recompense for those that line up with his word. We have to line up with his word. And so what we need to make sure is that we're tithing. That's the foundation. But now when it comes to our seed, we want to make sure that we don't squander it or do what a lot of people do, is eat their seed. Smartest thing you can do, for example, with a a stimulus check is make sure you tithe on it. Let me just try that one more time. You should tithe on it. Then you should sow on it. Then you should save some. I'm losing you over such a simple thing tonight. (laughs) Let me try it again. Tithe on it. Sow on it. Now, the tithe is prescribed by Scripture, so there's no debate and there's no confusion there. If some of you are having a hard time with that, a $1,400 stimulus check works out to be a $140 tithe. Thank you for your enthusiasm over this bouncing ball instruction today. I can't tell you what the sow is supposed to be, but he can. But when you have somebody hand you seed, your first thought should not be, how can I spend it fast enough? The mindset of a sower works differently. How can I sow into the kingdom of God? Because if I sow it, I'm going to produce a harvest off of this rather than just get rid of it and it's gone. Now, I tithe, tithers' rights. But how do you want tithers' rights and sower's promises? If they're both available, then why not take advantage of both of them? so what I'm going to do is I'm going to sow. And you know what, you can can seek God about that and he can certainly speak to you. And you should act on that. But you'd be amazed how many Christians won't even give a tithe of thought or a seed time and harvest of thought. Because it's not something that really is, is taught around the country. It's not something that's understood or it's misappropriated or it's an abused principle of scripture. Um, the People don't teach it um, you know, with integrity, whatever the case may be. But I'm just simply giving you this as an illustration. If you're an American adult and you make less than $75,000 75, or less as a single or less than $150,000 adjusted gross income. That's not total income, that's adjusted. And as a couple, you're going to get a stimulus. Which means everybody in this country has some seed. Amen. I'm preaching a whole lot better than you're shouting. Say what man? we got seed. Well, that's a wonderful thing. There are times in life where it seems like we don't have seed. There's maybe some pressure there. But even then, we can make sure that we you know, conduct ourselves so that we have seed to sow. Ephesians 4.28 tells us, He that steals must steal from but he must he must work with his hands so he'll have what? Something that he can share with others. What Paul is saying is through his job now he has seed in his life. You and I have to retrain our thinking that the job is primarily your seed bag, not your expense bag, an adjustment in that. You say, you're right, Pastor, if my brain's smoking right now, I'm about to go tilt like an old pinball machine, there's an adjustment there. According to Paul, it's your seed bag. You don't you don't do something unscrupulous. You don't do something you know that lacks integrity. You don't have to mess with people or con people or rip people off. No, you do something useful, honorable. But what is that that is seed so that you can actually share? You can actually do something with that. Now, yes, you have real expenses and obligations, and you should make sure that you take care of those things. That's part of your Christian witness. But you should change your thinking that the tithe is resolved in your heart. Say the tithe is resolved. Now, some of you will have so much peace if you just put that down and settle it forever. Can I have a better amen than that? Just settle it and stop going back and forth and battling it. Amen. If you're a wife that's holding out, repent. If you're a husband that's holding out, repent. If you're not married, repent. (laughs) Settle it. And re- renew your mind of the fact that, that when, you're, when you're looking at a check or you're looking at a direct deposit, whatever it is, that, that is seed. It causes you to be conscious of God talking to you or the ability to speak to you about it. Now, it doesn't mean he's going to do it every single time you have a check in your hand, but you get into the habit of knowing how he talks to you. And there comes a day where he just tells you to do something, and you're like, That's, I'm so honored you'd come to me and ask me to do that. I'm so honored that I can be a part of meeting somebody's need. I'm so honored that I can take that seed and bless somebody else with it. That's the way we're supposed to be. But if there's no seed in the ground, there's no way to do it. Well, I'm a good person. I love God. I pray. I go to church. I help with the little kids. I do this. It's irrelevant. Even in the natural, if you think about it, if you go to the bank and make a deposit, then you can legally make what? A withdrawal. a withdrawal. But if you go to the bank to make a withdrawal, when you've not had a deposit, they call that armed robbery. <laughs> you go to the popo. <laughs> Are you here today? Nobody goes up there and says, I want some money I don't have in there. It doesn't work that way even in the natural, does it, church? If I don't have any seed in the ground, I can't expect a harvest. So what does a a sower conscious, a giver conscious, a seed conscious Christian do? They make sure they have seed in the ground all the time. Come on, say it, all the time. All the time. God, what would you have me do? Amen. God, what are you saying to me right now? Yes, there's expenses. There always are. Yes, there's got, I got this to do, God, and I got that to do, and I know that you'll take care of every need. Do you know that if you will be seeded and, and sower conscious, you're going to have to worry about your needs being met because one of the promises to a sower is that what? All their needs will be met, and they'll have seed to sow. It's an exciting lifestyle. Amen. Say it with me. It's exciting to be a sower. Going back to Ecclesiastes 11, I just want to read this one verse to you, verse, uh, verse 4. Whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. Whoever watches the wind will not plant. It means that somebody is a fair-weathered giver or sower. If everything's in order, everything is perfect. Lots of surplus and no problems, no pressure, no issues. Then I'll think about planting in the ground. That means now that circumstances have become your Lord. Remember, Jesus is Lord. The Holy Spirit should be directing what you do. So the weather shouldn't affect my decisions at all. Circumstances are not the basis of that. Amen. It's important you see this. If you want seed, you want harvest coming in in every way you have to sow, make sure you always, say it with me, always have seed in the ground. Hallelujah. That's why I'm excited, you know. Um, you know, And first thing I wanted to do when I saw a, a stimulus hit an account, you know what I want to do? I want to sow. And I'm telling you, and I'm not doing this because the Bible is very, very plain about this. Don't let your right hand do it. Know what your left hand is doing. I'm not telling you about the details of what I did. I'm just saying this as an illustration. As soon as I saw it, I was like, yes. Here's a chance to be a sower again. That's what we're talking about. Cheerfulness, glee, enthusiasm over being able to be the sower and the giver. Because one, I know that God's going to do great things. Amen. It's going to be a blessing to people. But I also know there'll be harvest coming. 30, 60, 100. And maybe sometime I'll teach you about the thousandfold. Anybody interested in that? (laughs) Let me help you out here. Forget the thousandfold if you won't even tithe. Live your life, die, and go to heaven one day, but forget about any of these. (laughs) It's not going to happen because your foundation is not intact. Amen? Say it with me, lack of seed is a hindrance. So who controls whether I have seed in the ground or not? I do. I can always do something. And, and don't be thinking that I'm talking, unless you have $100,000 or $10,000 or $1,000 or $500 or $100, whatever you have this in your mind, I can't be sore. Oh, yeah, you can. I know people in this church and other places will pop $5 bill, an offering they'll put on there, specifically specific offering that is their seed, that's not their tithe, and they'll be diligent. Other people do based on what God instructs them to do. So don't get in your head. We're talking about, you know, selling everything like the rich young ruler was told to do. That was his specific instruction for his specific ministry. Jesus had to get rid of that idol in his life so he could use him. That's not what he's telling you to do. But I can tell you, it's not about you waiting until I have the really, really big, big thing to offer as a a seed. I don't know if I'm doing you any good or not, but I'm always doing myself good when I talk about these things. because faith comes by... Hearing and hearing by the word of God. You know, but the key is, if, if you'll do the five or the ten when he tells you, you'll do the larger amounts when you are instructed to do it. If you won't listen to him about the small, you won't listen to him about what? If you've been faithful with little, you'll be a faithful lot. If you've been faithless with little, amen. So I need it. I need seed. Number two is lack of will. Lack of will. Go over to Isaiah chapter 1. There are people that have seed, but they lack the will to be a sower. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Say, I'm a tither, I'm a giver, I'm a sower. Verse 19, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat from the best of the land. The phrase, the best of the land or the fat of the land, what is that? That's a harvest term. This scripture is specifically tied to the concept of harvesting. If you're willing and obedient, you're going to eat the fat of the land. You are going to have the ability to see good harvests in your life, if you're willing and obedient. Now, some people do obey, but they do it grudgingly. Amen. They do it with an attitude. They do it with a huff and a puff. They do it with some sense of entitlement. They do it with a sense of superiority. They do it with the wrong mentality. Anytime you do it outside of the love of God, you're in trouble. Do you see this? They they do it. They're obedient. But the scripture is telling us there's a connection point here to having that good harvest, that fat land. It requires that we are willing and obedient. Now watch this. Some people have a willing heart. They just never get around to doing what God's told them to do. But all if you can get a hold of a heart that is willing and does it and not just for a day or two. I was a tither and a sower for three weeks and nothing happened. How long were you not one? Moving right along. Huh? But if you are willing of a heart, cheerful, right? Quick to do it, generous, you're Willing and you're obedient, consistently willing, write this down, consistently willing and consistently obedient. Not pie in the sky, one time shot, one and done, consistently this way. You're going to eat the fat of the ground. You're going to have good harvests. So seed's great. But seed is, is sown for the intent of harvest. For the intent of reaping. And what we do is we are going to reap uh, uh, the fat of the land, the good of the land, if we are willing and what? And obedient. Now, the first step of that, of course, is to be that way when it comes to timing, but you've got that foundation. Say, I have that foundation. And now it's when when God speaks, you get used to hearing his voice and you have a willing heart and an obedient heart. You can't imagine how much that blesses him that he has an agent that he can call upon any time to do what needs to be done. Now, he knows you don't have a million dollars in the bank, so he's not going to ask you to do what? To give a million dollars. But his instructions are going to be such that capacity is there with your faith. Using your faith, you can do what he's calling you to do. He never gives you an assignment or a command without the power to do it. But to be able to to be that agent wherever you are. See, being a Christian is not about going to church and then dying one day and going to heaven. It's becoming his hands extended wherever you happen to be. I've had the experience of the Lord telling me to fill people's tanks up with gas. I've had the experience where you know we've been instructed as a family to, to buy you know, people's groceries. You say, well, I'll do that if there's a few items in the cart, but if they walk up here with four baskets, I'm out. I'm not doing that. You can forget that. <laughs> well, you know the Lord can can have it so that you're paying for somebody's groceries when there's a half a basket full. Sure. But understand this. It's, it's, it's all about the willing, cheerful, obedient heart, and then actually executing and and you know if you're not careful I've done this and so have you we're all a work in progress i me mean, say we're learning come on we are growing we are developing while you're mentally battling over this because the willingness is not there and the execution is not there that opportunity can skate away on you the person can drive off the person can go ahead and put their money down, you not knowing that they just spent their last dime. They don't know how they're going to get kids to the school, what they're going to do for clothing. They are out of money, and God wanted you to intercept that situation to make sure they could address other needs. But you went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and you stripped yourself of a blessing, and time ran out. Yeah. That's good. Amen? And can I tell you something? The Bible says in, in Scripture... Uh, that we, it is possible for us to entertain angels unaware. That's right. It's best. If we're not careful, God could be setting us up for advancement. And the report of that angel is they wouldn't do what you told them. Are you here tonight? It's a big deal to God. It's going to become even more of a big deal as we progress. Those that are born again, New Testament, word of faith, born again, spirit-filled, tongue-talking people, we have a a big responsibility in this area. To whom much is given? Much is required. How many you know if you're saved, you can hear from God? But if you're spirit-filled, your ears have been fine-tuned to discern, to hear, to operate, to whom much is given? much is required and I tell you that's why all over the world you will find out that the greatest sowers around happen to be spirit filled people it's not the guy that owns you know Microsoft or the guy that owns another tech company or Amazon you'll find out that it's going to be a believer who can hear from God amen praise God say lack of seed lack of will This scripture is directly referencing the impact of willing and obedient on our harvest. God, where's my harvest? Are we willing and are we obedient? we got to make sure that's the case for you and for me. Say it, I am willing and I am obedient. I am am ready. ready. You speak to me me. and I will do it. it. Hallelujah. You know, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. It actually is. Um. I don't uh, really carry cash because it doesn't stay in my wallet very long. Um, And I'm not saying that's always the case. I mean, sometimes it could sit there for a long, long time, but oftentimes it it really is God's way of putting more seed in my hand. And I tell you, there's nothing like you run into some, some lady who's, who's working her feet off, you know, got three kids and got a deadbeat husband or somebody that divorced her, ran out on her, and there she is trying to do everything she can to put food on the table and putting up with cantankerous people and she, she drew the unlucky Sunday crowd. Should be the greatest table ever. They should be fighting over Christians' tables. They fight not to have Christian tables. What an indictment, huh? And God speaks to you, Amen. I, you know, watch this. I see it. My my wife is a big time sower. Not to, not to build her up. That's that's not the point. But I can't tell you how many times I have seen people brought to tears because somebody, everybody say somebody, somebody was crying out to God. And God found an agent walking through the restaurant or walking through the, the grocery store or whatever. And God was able to say to the agent, I'm receiving a, a prayer request and I need you. We're looking for the angels with wings and we're supposed to be his angels, amen. We're made in his image. We're a higher order of species. That's right. And to be able at that moment in time to be willing and obedient. Brother Puckett was at Wade Mayfield. You can't find anybody over in Mayfield, Kentucky, one time or another, that, was, that won't tell you that that man, that man of God, did something in their family at one point in time before he left this earth. What was he doing? So on. Kelly and I, I was, a, I was first semester in graduate school and seminary. Remember, lived in an apartment. And one day, we get a knock on the door one afternoon. His brother Puckett with four or five boxes of groceries. He was coming in for, for a meeting because he was part of the leadership structure at that time. But I, I understand when you're asking God to meet needs and in walks Brother Puckett from Mayfield. That's a God thing. Yes. Hallelujah! He was the most blessed man. Hallelujah. That's the way we should want to be. But to see people fall into their arms crying like a baby because to them, watch this. To them, the devil was saying, God's not real, doesn't care about you, doesn't love you, doesn't see you, and yet from the heart God, I'm crying out to you, I have need. And all of a sudden, here comes something that's supernaturally driven and orchestrated, and that need is met. To that person, at that moment in time, God became extremely real to them. (laughs) The power of a sower is to help make God real to people. Let me say it again. The power of a sower is to help make God real to people. They're not where they need to be, they're at that base level. Hallelujah. We'll, may, we'll never know how impactful our, our sowing actually is. So, don't ever be it. Oh, God's asking me again. Feel honored when God's asking you. Be willing, be obedient. Amen. You become the answer to somebody else's prayer and there's nothing like it anywhere. The only thing that I want is, is I've said it often, that if, if I was independently wealthy, you know, and the Lord just poured it on, I'd spend my days, amen, not as some legalistic philanthropist, but I mean actually out there making a difference, advance the gospel, and alleviating suffering to human beings. Amen. Well, guess what? We only have to do you know, at the level that we are. But you know what would happen if everybody in the body of Christ did that? We'd have the collective ability that would blow down the doors of any multi-billionaire. That's right. Because together we're more powerful. It's just about getting everybody on the same page. See, I'm a tither, but I'm also a giver. And I do it willingly. And I do it with obedience. I, You know, it's, it's happened to me, and I can tell my story, I've told it before, but, you know, going to... Uh, You know, uh, Cheesecake Factory in St. Louis, there was, you know, one other customer in there, Timothy and I went there, uh, saw a ball game Friday night, went out to West County in St. Louis and went to the restaurant. We knew we could get in and get out of there because they had to get back to Murray. And um, we're just sitting there. And these two black ladies came in, and they were just dressed, you know, to the night. It wasn't Sunday, but they were all dressed up, so it was obviously a very, very special occasion. And I want to say 75, 80-ish, something like that. You could tell they were very, they were very, very good friends, very, very close. And they are just having a, a big old time sitting over there on the other side. And the Lord just spoke to my heart, you know, I want you to pay for their meal. I got a hold of their server. And they brought, uh, you know, she brought that over to me. And I said, now make sure if, if it's Cheesecake Factory. How I you mean, understand when you go to Cheesecake Factory? People oftentimes will want <laughs> a piece of that cheesecake. Just make sure that, that you know, you do that. And, of course, once they had made that order, then she brought that over to me. And it was, it was just a huge blessing. And, uh, you know, that's, that's the end of it. Willing and obedient. To me, um... I would never be able to understand the impact of something like that on that life that day because when they asked for their check, the person said someone else in the restaurant paid for your meal and paid for your cheesecake, and that lady got this big old smile on her face and she goes, It's my birthday. Nobody's ever bought my meal before. <laughs> on her birthday, Praise God! everybody say, the Lord. the Lord. The devil did not tell me to buy her meal flesh didn't say, let's go buy somebody's meal at Cheesecake Factory. And if we're honest, we got to get to the place where we stop lying to ourselves when he does talk to us. That's, right. uh, that's a mixed signal there. That's something wrong there. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I believe it did bless her. It was a witness to her friend, but it was her birthday. She's all dressed up. You'll celebrate her birthday with a good friend and the Lord. Everybody say the Lord. The Lord shows up and takes care of her meal. What do you mean the Lord? You did it. No, he gave it to me. We're stewards. That's what givers and sowers are. We're stewards. We're not the owners. pass us through. It blessed her. But can you tell that it blessed me? It's like the Lord coming down, kissing her on the face and saying, happy birthday. <laughs> How can that not be a blessing to you? Yes. Amen. And the stories rack up. Hallelujah. And that's what you want to do. Not look at you, not look at me, but just as a teachable moment to actually get excited about this stuff where so many Christians are misers and chintzy and, and they're, they're, they're miserable and they're belligerent, and they're, they're unwillful. They just do it because they feel like they have to. You know, there's, there's no anointing in that. Are you here? Let me, uh, let me move on with you tonight. Are you receiving this tonight? Number three is lack of faith. We must believe and see time and harvest, and we must sow in faith. Any seed not sown in faith, believing God, is not a seed. It must be accompanied with believing God. Which means there should be lots of speaking the word over the seed, what we're believing God for, lots of praise and thanksgiving to God, and there must be expectation. Remember this scripture in Hebrews 11 1. Now faith is being sure of what? Of what we hope for. And certain of what we do not see. I've got to believe that my seed is meeting a need and it's also coming back in terms of a harvest. Amen? Say so it with me, harvesting, reaping is part of the process. Which means things like fear cannot be present. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tithe and I'm gonna give a you know, an offering on top of that, a seed with some of that stimulus money, but oh, I'm afraid I'm not going to be able to make it because it's been a hard way to go. That can't be there. Fear tolerated, Brother Copeland received from God. Fear tolerated is fear contaminated. And you can't have that happening in your giving. Watch this. You can tell that you're giving in faith when joy bubbles up when you give. Come on, say it, joy. 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 Say it again, joy. joy. When joy is absent, faith is absent in your giving. Now you got a problem there with a, with a willingness issue. But, but joy is there when faith is present. Watch this. You should be over the moon exuberant when you sow a seed. That's what this means. Say Exuberant. Exuberant means joyously unrestrained and enthusiastic. Come on, say it. Joyously unrestrained and enthusiastic. Be honest. Does that describe our giving always? Joyless, amen, and completely without enthusiasm. That's the way a lot of people live. I know that I've got faith and I'm sowing in faith. When I have that exuberance about me, amen? You just get tickled at the thought of God using you. Amen? Come on, say, Lord, use me. Use me. Can you see why people like this are supernaturally increased? They're thrilled to be givers. Not afraid. Watch this. What does faith do? How can you tell? Faith praises before the harvest comes. Faith praises before the harvest comes. There's no faith you won't praise him. It's just like dead to you. This is just something I did religiously. It's over. There's nothing coming from it. Blah, blah, blah. No, what we're going to do is we're going to praise him in advance. Thank you, Lord, for the instruction. Thank you, Lord, for the seed. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to do this. Thank you, Lord, that it met a need. Thank you, Lord, somebody became, you know, somebody had a life right then where you became real So then, Thank you, Lord, for the harvest that's coming. Thank you, Lord, your word is true. You have seed for the sower and bread for the eater. You're going to do something amazing in my life. I'm going to harvest off of this for years to come. In Jesus' name, I thank you for it. And praise does manifest the faith before anything actually happens. Anybody can praise God on harvest day. It takes no faith whatsoever to praise God after you see a harvest. It takes faith to praise Him before. Number two, faith proclaims before the harvest. You proclaim it's meeting a need. You proclaim harvest is coming. You proclaim Jesus said Himself, giving it what? Shall be given. Good measure. Press down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom. We see the reciprocity there. Faith doesn't sit back and, well, we'll just see what happens. No, faith gets out there in the front and says, here's what the word says. And I'm proclaiming. The Bible says you shall decree a thing and it will happen. It shall come to pass. I'm decreeing this harvest in my life in Jesus. Now I sowed toward this particular thing. Now I'm decreeing it. I maybe invested in somebody's house to help save their house. I'm believing God for mine to be paid off. I'm believing God for supernatural intervention. Whatever it is, you're directing that faith with the words of your mouth based on the promises of God. Amen. And you're proclaiming. Faith proclaims before the harvest. Number three, faith prepares before the harvest you start acting like harvest is there. Whatever it is you're actually sowing for, you should prepare mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. This is reality in your life. Brother Jerry was told to prepare for an aircraft that was going to come into his ministry, and he didn't know when. He was just believing God for an aircraft because he couldn't get to all the meetings he was supposed to get to around the country without it. Uh, not every minister of the gospel needs one, just like every minister of the gospel doesn't need a building because that's not their ministry—a pastoral ministry, a teaching ministry. A church like this, we have to have some facilities to do what we're called to do. Well, for a lot of these guys that have tentorium ministries, a uh, car will do, but some of them need a—you uh, know—an an intracontinental. Plane that will go from coast to coast or whatever. Some people need an intercontinental jet that could actually get to them three, four, five places a week. And this is happening. People like Jesse the Planet is preaching eight, nine, ten times a week, and he's no longer 20 years old. Um, it takes faith to do it. And the Lord told him to go out to Beach and field in a Field in Fort Worth and actually rent a hangar. You know the first question they ask you when you go to rent a hangar? What kind of plane do you have? Well, I don't know, but God told me I'm going to have one, (laughs) and the guy's just looking at him like he's crazy. He, he, well, you know, is it is it you know single prop, double prop? What's the make? You know what? How big is it? What what's the need? I don't know. All I know is I'm supposed to come out and rent a hangar because the plane is on the way. When's it coming? I don't know. What is it? I don't know. Sounds crazy, doesn't it? But faith prepares what before. The harvest, and uh, the guy was just not going to rent him a hanger And finally, Jerry said, "Fine, you know what? You know you can stand before God one day, and you can explain why you didn't. You know you hindered Jerry Seville from doing what God called him to do." The guy said, "I'll rent you the hanger (laughs) 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 He didn't want to stand (laughs) before God for whatever." And and sure enough, uh, that thing was delivered into his hands. And I'll tell you something about that. He praised God for it. He made room for it. He prepared for it. He had sowed his seed into other people's ministries so that thing would come to him. And it, and it did. And we look at him and we think, oh, he's the exception. He was indebted to his ears working in a paint and body shop. This is not a guy with a, with a silver spoon in his mouth. This guy was drafted in Vietnam and his unit, National Guard unit, was, was told to go stateside because his wife prayed and he was there instead of going overseas. He was stationed there in case there were rights and issues, you know, stateside. This is not somebody that, that was that was born into royalty spiritually. All I'm saying to you is if it worked for him, it'll work for you. Amen. You do what he did, you'll get what he got. The heart of the sword. I told you this before, but sometimes, you know, you need to hear it again and again and again. And again, Brother Osteen told his story so much that his, his son, Joel, said, look, Dad, let's just number the stories. And when you get to that place in your sermon, you want to tell the story, just yell out number 45. We'll laugh, and you can move on. It will save time, because we probably heard the story. <laughs> but I was sitting there in a believer's convention when he told this story that he and Jesse used to do these Holy Spirit conferences, and this one was in Georgia. And I've told this just recently again. But watch this. This little family drives down and this you know, clunker of a car. And this woman just wants to get in this meeting. I mean, literally eating crackers and cheese and have nothing, no place to stay, nothing. And this car, you know, stops close to where the, the meeting venue is and the hotel venue is. And the lady just puts her head down on the on the steering wheel, she got there, but she's completely beside herself. The car's now broken down, she has no money, has no place to stay, has no food for the kids. And this little faith-filled daughter says, "You know what? I'm just going to ask, you know, God to send Brother Jerry over." They don't know Brother Jerry. <laughs> they don't have a clue where he is. Is he here? Is he even in town yet? Who knows what his schedule is? And uh, she's just making this declaration. And, and his mom, you know how the mom would be. Oh, you know, he's he's busy. You know, it's just not going to happen. And not because she wants to be in doubt. But she's just being a realist about the situation. Unbeknownst to her, the plaintiffs and the Savelles were walking, you know, on the sidewalk down below, and they're walking up the steps, getting to the street with the cars on the other side, and who should walk up to the car except Jerry Savelle? And little girl was going, I told you he would be here, I told you he would help us, I told you something would happen. And he sees her bawling her eyes out and he sees the situation. He knows in the spirit something's really wrong. So he says, you know, what's 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 going on here? And she said, we drove her in this clucker, it's broken down. We don't have anything, I have no way to get into the hotel. We just we just knew. And this wasn't a big long, long meeting. These were a couple-day meetings at the time. And they just wanted to be under the word of God. And um he said, you know, you don't worry about anything. We're gonna have this car towed, we're gonna have it fixed up perfectly for you. He said, We're going to put you in this hotel where the speakers are, and your kids can order room service the whole time they're here. And then we're going to send you home with some money, and then we're going to call and make sure that you actually got them. But right now, you're just going to enjoy the service. About that time, Jesse woke up and said, Jerry, you're not getting all that blessing. <laughs> Let this minister to you. Does that make sense? Who are we in this story? We've got to stop being the patient all the time and start being the physician. Stop being just the congregant and start being the minister. And see these things. Everybody can do something to alleviate the suffering of other people. Everybody can. That's the way faith people ought to operate. And he says, you know, I get in all this blessing. She goes, he goes, we're paying for half of this. And so they did. These kids ate like kings and queens you know, room service is not the cheapest way to eat. That wasn't even a thought to them. Just order, order whatever you want, whenever you want, and then put it on the tab, and we've got your hotel room. You know, this is going to, be to- it's going to be fine. And so they did exactly what they said they would do. They brought the car back. It was in perfect working order. Gave them cash. He told his daughter, I want you to follow them. You know, when they get home, I want you to call them. Make sure they got home. Everything was okay. And they just sowed the seed and went about their business. I mean, it had been some time later, Jerry was having a partner's meeting in his headquarters in Crowley, Texas, and somebody slipped him a, a card he put it in his Bible. He was in a hurry, so he, he had to get out quickly and forgot all about that card. And the gentleman that gave it to him, you know, I think was probably waiting to hear from him, and the next morning he, he remembered. About 6 o'clock in the morning, there was this card in the Bible. And he opened up that card, and he said, uh, Lord's told me to buy you a brand new Corvette. I want you to come over to Dallas and pick one out. And he was debating if he could go ahead and call the guy because it was so early. <laughs> but he, he called him anyway, and the guy said, what took you so long? <laughs> You know, normally when there's some good news like this, you know, but he calls him because he just slipped it away in there's a Bible. And he said, well, I'll meet you over there. He goes, yeah, you pick one out. He goes, but I think I've got the one that you'll want already picked out, but you go look. And he went there and uh, he went on the, the, the showroom floor. And the very one that the man had picked out is the very one that he wanted. You know, filled up with gas, all ready to go. Taxes and titles and everything. The guy just took care of everything. And, uh, and the guy goes, well, Jerry, how are we going to get this home? He goes, I'm going to drive this. You're going to drive my car back to Fort Worth. That's how we're going to get it back over there. <laughs> and uh, he's driving, you know, 35 minutes between Dallas and Fort Worth, unless there's a bunch of traffic or construction. And he's just riding down the road. Watch this. And he says, Lord, uh I didn't specifically ask you for this. Why did you give me this brand new Corvette? And he says, son, do you remember that lady in the Holy Spirit Conference in Atlanta? Not Atlanta, I think it was Augusta, and how you took care of her? He says, son, I never forget a seed sown. This is your harvest on what you did for her and her vehicle and her family that day. He gets the car home, he calls Jesse, he goes, Jesse, did anything strange happen to you this week? He said, yeah, somebody's bought me another brand new vehicle. (laughs) And, And he said, oh, you know why? He said, yeah, he said it was because of that woman. Well, you may not realize it or not, but some of you have little women like that in your past story and little kids in your story and things you've done. Don't you let the devil talk you out of forgetting about those things. And when God says that to you, this is a harvest off of your compassion, you just say, thank you, Lord. And keep me sensitive and keep me compassionate. Now, can I tell you something? I believe that car is a blessing to him. He's a, he's a Corvette enthusiast. That, you know, he's passionate about that stuff. T.L. Osborne used to say, you know, surround yourselves with things that you enjoy on this earth and you'll always have peace about you. His wife was uh, big time in the flowers and their property was just covered in all kinds of flower gardens. That's what she liked to do. With Jesse, it was it was cars and motorcycles. And that was his, his passion Is to this day. I mean, big garage filled with that stuff. But, you know, I, I can tell you this. And I don't have a personal relationship with him. I just respect his ministry. And he's the real deal. He'd always say things like this, faith doesn't pretend it attacks. Immediately he fell in love with his ministry and I began to hear him in the early 90s say things so profound that we're not pretenders, are we? We're attackers. But I can tell you this, um, he got far greater blessing out of watching that woman and her family being tended to for that meeting. Because you know if that lady listened and applied that stuff to her life, I bet you she's not riding around in a junker anymore. Can you believe that? Amen. Amen. Say he never forgets. A seed sown. Amen. I'm going to park the bus right there because I want to spend some time talking to you about this fourth one in, in more detail. But say it with me. I'm a tither. I'm a sower. Say it with me. I have seed. I am willing. I'm obedient. And I have faith. When I sow. I am unrestrained in my joy and enthusiasm. I'm exuberant. Exuberant. Can you see how that's different from the legalist? Say, I'm quick to do it, exuberant, thrilled. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let's give him a big hand clap and thank him tonight.